Welcome, everybody, yet another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. If you're enjoying your day, sweet, if not, what the hell ever, it is time for an episode I have been waiting a long time to finally do. The history of the Intercontinental Championship under the Oval Bell design that we had from 1998 all the way to 2011. Yes, this is going to be pretty long, probably not as long as the big old bell, but we'll see. So to start off, this all took place the night after WrestleMania 14, where the Intercontinental Championship would debut its brand new look for the first time in over a decade with the oval belt design, with the champion at the time being The Rock. Now, the belt at the time had a purple strap to it, purplish violet. The block version of the WWF logo in the center plate, kind of what we saw reminiscent in the golden era of wrestling. The World Wrestling, Feder words World Wrestling Federation would be at the top of the center plate. Intercontinental would be below the logo. And the word champion would be placed where the nameplate would normally be. Something I'm sure people didn't really catch for a while. Now, like I said, the champion at the time was The Rock. This was during his second reign with the Intercontinental Championship. And he would hold this belt all the way up until he lost it to Triple H at SummerSlam in the classic ladder match. Unfortunately, however, Triple H's run with the belt would only last a little over a month because he was dealing with a knee injury and would have to vacate the championship and a tournament would be held following this to crown a new Intercontinental Champion, and that would be won by Ken Shamrock, who would also be a heel at the time, join the corporation, and he would hold this championship up until St. Valentine's Day Massacre in February of 1999, where he would lose the belt to Val Venus with special guest referee Billy Gunn, who was also going for the championship. Now, during this time also... Once Val became champion, they really started a hot potato of the championship because a little over a month later, he would lose it on the March 15, 1999 edition of Raw is War to the Road Dog, who would then lose it two weeks later to Goldust, another former Intercontinental Champion. Then on the April 12, 1999 edition of Raw is War, the Godfather would dethrone Goldust. Well, then after this, a month later after this, right after a little after Over the Edge, the Godfather would then lose the Intercontinental Championship to Jeff Jarrett, who would scream for Owen Hart as a way to honor his fallen friend. And then you go to Fully Loaded. Jeff Jarrett was supposed to defend the Intercontinental Championship against Edge. However, the night prior at a house show, Edge would end up winning the Intercontinental Championship at a house show in Toronto, thus becoming the champion going into the pay-per-view. And then the next night at Fully Loaded, Edge would drop the championship right back to Jeff Jarrett. Now... Sometime during the summer, around like somewhere around here within 99, that's when the Intercontinental Championship actually kind of changed a little bit because the strap at some point started to change from the purple strap design to black. So it was somewhere within the summer when this finally happened. Now, when Jer Jared would still continue to be Intercontinental Champion until a little after Fully Loaded when he would lose it to, to D'Lo Brown on Raw, making D'Lo Brown the first ever Eurocontinental Champion because D'Lo was a European champion at the time only to then lose both belts to Jeff Jarrett at SummerSlam, thanks to Mark Henry's interference. And the next night, Jeff Jarrett would stop being Eurocontinental Champion because he would hand the European Championship to Mark Henry, thus ununifying the championships, but still continue his reign there from his newly won Euro, uh, Intercontinental Championship. Now, next feud he would go into would be against China, who would be gunning for the Intercontinental Championship afterwards, turning babyface, and would lose the Intercontinental Championship famously to Jeff Jarrett, or would lose it to China at no mercy in the good housekeeping match, with the stipulation being that weapons that are used and they are legal are the only ones that are household objects, and China would defeat Jeff Jarrett to become Intercontinental Champion, being the only female to ever be Intercontinental Champion. And a little fun fact, the next night, 
on Monday Night Raw, Raw is War, the Intercontinental Championship would once again get a bit of redesign because the black logo in the center plate would get replaced from the black logo to the scratch logo as China aligned herself with Miss Kitty, a.k.a. the cat. Now, China would hold the championship for a few months, lose it to Chris Jericho later on in Armageddon in December of 99, and then a couple weeks later, on the December 30th, 1999 edition of SmackDown, a title defense between both of them would end in a draw after both of them had their shoulders down after I think it was like a back suplex on a steel chair. And following this, Stephanie McMahon would announce that both of them would be co-champions. So that means that either of them could lose a championship, so they had to really watch each other's back. And then to sell who was the undisputed Intercontinental Champion, we would see a triple threat match at the Royal Rumble between both of them and Harker Holly. And Chris Jericho will win the match to become Intercontinental Champ the undisputed Intercontinental Champion. But then this reign would only last a month as the following month and no way out. Chris Jericho would lose the Intercontinental Championship to Kurt Angle, with Kurt Angle also being the, the European Champion, making Kurt Angle the third and final ever Eurocontinental Champion, technically. Now, Kurt Angle's time as Intercontinental Champion would be short-lived as well because at WrestleMania 16, peer review I've covered on the podcast before, he would lose both the Intercontinental in European Championships in a triple threat two out of three falls match against challengers Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit winning the first fall to become Intercontinental Champion, and then Chris Jericho winning the second fall to become the European Champion, with Kurt Angle not even taking either of the, either of the falls. And after Chris Jericho dropped the European Championship the next night of, from WrestleMania to Chris Benoit, both Benoit, and, or sorry, Eddie Guerrero, Benoit and Jericho would feud over the Intercontinental Championship, and Jericho would actually win the championship from Chris Benoit on the May 4th 2000 edition of SmackDown, only lose to lose it then the following week right back to Chris Benoit. Then along comes Rikishi, who would get a shot at the Intercontinental Championship on the June 22nd 2000 episode of SmackDown and would win it from Chris Benoit, but would then lose the Intercontinental Championship shortly thereafter to Val Venus. Yeah, a lot more hot potatoing happening once again. Then the following month, a couple months later, well, a month or two later at SummerSlam, Val Venus would lose his Intercontinental Championship in a mixed tag team match where he teamed with Trish Stratus to go against China and Eddie Guerrero, and because China pinned Trish Stratus, China would get the victory and would be the Intercontinental Champion, making this her second and final ever Intercontinental Championship of her career. Now, also at the time, Eddie and Trish were, or sorry, Eddie and China were doing the whole Mamacita team thing, and Eddie would end up dethroning his own Mamacita a little over a week later on Raw in a triple threat match, which also included Kurt Angle. Now, after this, I mentioned this on the three-part special of the podcast, Eddie was supposed to defend the Intercontinental Championship at no mercy against Billy Gunn, but the match was delayed due to Eddie suffering an injury the week prior to the peer review on Raw in match against Chris Jericho, but would later defend the championship against Billy Gunn and drop it to him on the November 23rd, 2000 episode of SmackDown, making this Billy Gunn's only Intercontinental Championship run, and then that reign would only last a month because then he would lose it the following month at Armageddon to Chris Benoit. So, still, the hot potatoing is pretty frequent here. Then Jericho and Benoit would reignite their feud over the IC Championship going into 2001, and Jericho, for the fourth time, would become Intercontinental Champion at the Royal Rumble, defeating Chris Benoit in a classic ladder match. Now, this reign would end up lasting, would end up being the longest IC title reign since Ken Shamrock's run from October 98 to February 99, because then Jericho would lose the championship on the April 5th, 2001 edition of SmackDown to Triple H. So, three-month title reign, longest we had seen in about two years. Then, Triple H's run ended up being a blink-and-you-miss-a-title run, because the next week on SmackDown, he loses it in an upset to Jeff Hardy. 
And then the week after on Raw, Triple H went it back from Jeff Hardy. So we're still doing the whole hot potato game there. Then Triple H would also engage into a feud, singles feud with Kane, resulting in Triple H later losing the Intercontinental Championship to Kane in a chain match at the Judgment Day pay-per-view. Now, Kane's title run, you probably don't remember well, but one thing to remember was this ended up happening around the time that the Invasion storyline really started to kick off, and then we saw even more hot potato with, the, with, hot potato with the Intercontinental Championship. Starting off after this with the June 28, 2001 edition of SmackDown, where he would lose it to Albert. A.K.A. Tensai, A-Train, whatever persona name he is going through. Then this title run only lasted a month, because then on the July 23, 2001 edition of Raw, Albert lost the championship to Lance Storm. Then you go over to SummerSlam. Lance Storm loses the championship to Edge. Then following this, the tag team of Edge and Christian would finally break up, and both men would start to feud over the Intercontinental Championship in Jealousy, with Christian later on winning the Intercontinental Championship from Edge at Unforgiven, but then Edge wins it back the next month in a ladder match at No Mercy against his on-screen brother slash real-life best friend Christian. Then after this, November 5, 2001 edition of Raw, Test would end Edge's run with the Intercontinental Championship by defeating him on Raw, and then in the meantime, Edge would become WCW United States Champion, so then both men would face off later on at Survivor Series, both men unifying their titles, with Edge coming out the victor to unify the Intercontinental and WCW United States Championships, which retired the latter of the two titles, and Edge would be champion, I believe this was for the fourth time? Somewhere in there. Well, then after this, Edge would embark into a feud against William Regal as 2001 went to 2002 over the Intercontinental Championship, and Regal would win it, later win the championship from Edge at the 2002 Royal Rumble. Now, also we remember 2002, who was getting white hot around that time? Rob Van Dam. So RVD became number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship and would win the belt from William, from William Regal at WrestleMania 18. Fine match there. Then after this, the draft started happening, brand split going on, and then because of this, RVD was drafted over to Raw for a time, making the Intercontinental Championship Raw exclusive. Well then, who came back to the company after this? Eddie Guerrero. So Eddie Guerrero had his sights set on the Intercontinental Championship and would cheat to win at Backlash to defeat to defeat RVD for the Intercontinental title and would sneakily retain for against uh, Rob Van Dam for the next couple pay-per-views being Insurrection and Judgment Day, only to then finally lose it back to RVD on the May 27, 2002 edition of Raw in a ladder match. The infamous match where the fan jumped into the ring and almost screwed the match up. Well, also during this time again as well, on the July 22, 2002 edition of Raw, the Intercontinental Championship and the European Championship would be unified after RVD defeated Jeff Hardy in a ladder match in Grand Rapids, thus, unif thus unifying both belts and permanently retiring the European Championship once and for all. The following week, July 29, 2002 edition of Raw, Chris Benoit would become Intercontinental Champion and afterwards would jump ship over to SmackDown, Temporarily, temporarily making the Intercontinental Championship SmackDown exclusive. But then at SummerSlam, RBD would defeat Chris Benoit to regain the Intercontinental Championship, bringing the title right back to Monday Night Raw. And then the following night on Monday Night Raw after SummerSlam, RBD would retain the Intercontinental Championship against Tommy Dreamer to, want to also unify the Intercontinental Championship with the Hardcore Championship, permanently, re permanently retiring the Hardcore Championship, not including any on-screen appearances of the belts instead, just as being an, an active championship. Now, a couple weeks later, Chris Jericho would defeat RVD on the September 16, 2002 edition of Raw to become a five-time Intercontinental Champion, but then lose it two weeks later to Kane. 
who would then lose it to Triple H in a unification match in No Mercy, the feud that's infamous for the whole Katie Vick angle, which then deactivated the Intercontinental Championship for the next seven months, which left absolutely no mid-card championships anywhere. Well, on the May 5th, 2003 edition of Raw, co-general manager of Monday Night Raw, Stone Cold Steve Austin, announced that a uh, Judgment Day pay-per-view, the Intercontinental Championship would be resurrected on, in a battle royal, although he stated it was going to be former Intercontinental Champions only, but we had some exceptions in there. And with this belt, it actually finally got a new redesign, where it had the WWE logo in the center plate, World Wrestling Entertainment at the top of the center plate, Intercontinental Champion below the logo, and then you finally had the nameplate there, without having the word champion being placed at the bottom, so... This championship was finally going to get a nameplate. Go to the Judgment Day pay-per-view. Christian would cheat to win the Intercontinental Championship in the Battle Royal because he was eliminated, but referees didn't see it, so he eliminated Booker T to become the brand new Intercontinental Champion, and then, of course, the next night, he changed his look. Well, then, a title run or win that you probably don't remember was a couple months later. July 7th, 2003 edition of Raw, Booker T would finally defeat Christian and become the Intercontinental Champion. People probably don't remember that. Unfortunately, Booker T's reign only lasted over a month because on the August 10, 2003 house show in Des Moines, Iowa, Booker T would have to drop the championship right back to Christian. So Christian would hold the championship for about a month and a half, lose it on the September 29, 2003 edition of Raw, losing it in a ladder match to Rob Van Dam, making it RVD a four-time champion. And then you see a little bit more hot potatoing again there because on the October 27, 2003 edition of Raw, Chris Jericho would defeat RVD to become Intercontinental Champion for the sixth time. Then immediately afterwards, Stone Cold demanded that Chris Jericho defend the Intercontinental Championship right back against RVD in a steel cage match, which RVD would win to become Intercontinental Champion again by escaping the cage. Now, RVD would end up losing the championship a couple months later at Armageddon to Randy Orton, special guest referee Mick Foley, and Randy Orton's run would last 210 days. This would be the longest single reign with the Intercontinental Championship since The Rock's run from the December 8th, 1997 edition of Raw all the way until SummerSlam 98. Because Randy Orton's title run would end at, end at the Vengeance pay-per-view, losing it to Edge in a one-on-one match, but then, unfortunately, a couple months later, Edge would have to vacate the championship on the September 6th, 2004 edition of Raw due to a groin injury that he suffered at a house show a little over a week prior. So the first time in a while, we saw a vacancy with the belt. Well, then the title was put up for grabs at Unforgiven, where Chris Jericho would defeat Christian in the latter match to become a seven-time Intercontinental Champion. But the title reign was again short-lived because the following month at Taboo Tuesday, the pay-per-view where fans voted for Chris Jericho's opponent for the title match, fans would vote for Shelton Benjamin to get the title shot, and Shelton would get a victory to become Intercontinental Champion for the very first time. And this one would actually last longer than Randy Orton's run, because this would last 244 days from Taboo Tuesday 2004 until June of 2005, with this being about 20 days short, 20 days shy of tying The Rock's record from that title run that we met, that I mentioned just a bit earlier. So this title run would end on the June 20th 2005 edition of Raw when he lost it to Carlito, who had just debuted on Monday Night Raw the very night because of the draft lottery. Now, Carlito, unfortunately, his title run was forgettable because he lost it three months later to Ric Flair at the Unforgiven pay-per-view. Flair would hold it for five months and then lose it to Sheldon Benjamin on the February 20th, 2006 edition of Raw. Now, after WrestleMania, Sheldon would embark in a feud against Rob Van Dam, 
going over the Intercontinental Championship and the Money in the Bank briefcase. Both prizes being on the line in their match at Backlash. And Rob Van Dam would retain the, inter the Money in the Bank contract and win the Intercontinental Championship from Shelton at Backlash. But then 15 days later on the May 15, 2006 edition of Raw, RVD would lose it in a 3-on-2 handicap match as Shelton Benjamin, Chris Masters, and Triple H took on John Cena and Rob Van Dam in the 3-on-2 handicap tornado tag team match. And with both WWE and Intercontinental Championships on the line, and since Shelton got the pin on RVD, Shelton won the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, I know, a little complex there. Now, that run also only lasted a little over a month because at the Vengeance pay-per-view, Shelton Benjamin would lose the championship in a triple threat match against Carlito and the eventual winner, Johnny Nitro. A classic match, by the way. So then, afterwards, Jeff Hardy would return to the company after a three-year hiatus and would feud with Johnny Nitro with the championship changing hands between both of them three times between October and November that year, with Jeff Hardy coming out the winner of the feud at the end with a couple wins with the Intercontinental Championship during that time period. Now, you go into 2007. Jeff Hardy's run would end on the February 19, 2007 edition of Raw, losing it to Umaga. Unfortunately, Umaga's reign you probably remember for his loss because two months later on the April 16, 2007 edition of Raw in an impromptu no-holds-bar match, Santino Morella would defeat Umaga thanks to interference by Bobby Lashley to become the new Intercontinental Champion, but then would drop it back to uh, Umaga three months later on the July 2, 2007 edition of Raw. And then two months later after that, Umaga lost the championship to Jeff Hardy, who had just returned from his first ever suspension from the wellness policy that the company was incorporating at the time. Well, still incorporating the stable, you know what I mean. So Jeff Hardy's run from here, from September 3rd, 2007 edition of Raw, would last over six months, up until he lost it on the March 10, 2008 edition of Raw to Chris Jericho, a title change that happened abruptly because Jer Jeff Hardy failed the wellness policy test once again, now for the second time, so he had to serve a 60-day suspension and would have to drop the Intercontinental Championship to Chris Jericho as a result. Now, during this run, Chris Jericho would turn heel due to fan reactions and their, the booking of the storyline with Shawn Michaels not going as planned. So, during Chris Jericho's eighth run as champion, like I said, he turned heel and would lose the championship to Kofi Kingston in an impromptu match at the Night of Champions event. Unfortunately, Kofi's run didn't last long, because it's SummerSlam. Kofi Kingston and Mickie James would be in a mixed tag match against Santino Marilla and Beth Phoenix. Both Mickie James' uh, Women's Championship and Kofi Kingston's Intercontinental Championship bolting on the line. And because Santino and Beth won, both titles changed hands to the heel team, so Santino was once again Intercontinental Champion. Now, unfortunately, Santino's run only lasted three months, because then he would lose in a very squ fast squash match on the November 10, 2008 edition of Raw in England to the Englishman William Regal. So, Regal's Intercontinental Champion for the first time in six years. After this, CM Punk would become the number one contender to William Regal's Intercontinental Championship after winning the tournament at Armageddon, and would have shady circumstances as to why he was not able to defeat Regal, William Regal for the championship, until they finally had a no-DQ match on the January 19, 2009 edition of Raw, which CM Punk would finally win to win his only Intercontinental Championship. But then a couple months later, JBL would dethrone CM Punk on the March 9, 2009 edition of Raw, who would then lose a championship to Rey Mysterio in a squash match at WrestleMania. Now, after while Rey Mysterio was Intercontinental Champion, the draft happened, and the championship would be drafted over to SmackDown with Rey Mysterio being brought there, and he would get into a feud with Chris Jericho over both the Intercontinental Championship and Rey's mask. 
You go to Extreme Rules, no old bar match. Jericho would defeat Rey Mysterio by unmasking him and rolling him up to become the nine-time Intercontinental Champion, a record that is still set to this very day as the most Intercontinental Championship wins of all time. But then the next month at the Bash, Jericho would lose the championship to Rey Mysterio in a mask versus title match. So Rey retains his mask and becomes Intercontinental Champion again. After this, Rey would get into a feud with Dolph Ziggler, and a fun fact... He was supposed to have defended the Intercontinental Championship against Dolph Ziggler at breaking point. Unfortunately, this match never got to happen because Ray had to abruptly lose the Intercontinental Championship on the September 4, 2009 edition of SmackDown to John Morrison due to a wellness policy violation. You're seeing a bit of a pattern a little bit with the Intercontinental Championship here, aren't we? Well, John Morrison would hold the championship for three months before losing it at the TLC pay-per-view that year to Drew McIntyre, the chosen one. And during this run, Drew McIntyre in storyline was stripped of the Intercontinental Championship and Cape Fabe fired, fighting with Matt Hardy against Tay Long's orders. And in the meantime, Kofi Kingston would win the Intercontinental Championship in McIntyre's absence. However, the very evening where Kofi Kingston was awarded the championship, Teddy Long would be under the orders of Vince McMahon, would nullify Kofi Kingston's win, and return the championship back to McIntyre, who was the chosen one, the pet project of Vince McMahon. So you saw this whole storyline of playing favorites. So Kofi had his eyes set on the Intercontinental Championship and Drew McIntyre and would win the championship for McIntyre at the Over the Limit pay-per-view. But then a few months later, on the August 6, 2010 edition of SmackDown, Kofi would then lose the championship to Dolph Ziggler thanks to a distraction by Vicky Guerrero. So, Kofi, for, so Ziggler would hold the championship for a few months, lose it back to Kofi Kingston on the January 7, 2011 edition of SmackDown, but then a couple months later... Kofi would lose it to Wade Barrett on the March, 23rd, March 25th, 2011 edition of SmackDown, back when Wade Barrett was in the core. So then during this run, Ezekiel Jackson would end up getting kicked out of Barrett's core stable, thus causing a feud between both Barrett and Ezekiel Jackson over the Intercontinental Championship, and Ezekiel Jackson would win the championship from Barrett at the Capital Punishment pay-per-view in May of 2011. But you probably forgot that because three months later, Cody Rhodes would defeat Ezekiel Jackson for the championship on the August 12th, 2011 edition of SmackDown. And then following this, a couple of, couple of weeks later, the championship would no longer be counted as SmackDown exclusive upon the dissolution of the brand split, effective on August 29, 2011. Now, finally, at Hell in a Cell, the oval belt design would be permanently retired as undashing Cody Rhodes ditched the belt into a brown paper bag, and then brought back a white strap version of the old school Intercontinental Championship design, which preceded the oval belt design that we had seen debut back in 1998. And to this very day, the oval belt design has not been seen ever since. Kind of crazy after 12 years. So yeah, folks, there you go. All the big history of the Intercontinental Championship that we saw from its debut in 98, all the way up until we saw it say goodbye in 2011. The redesigns with the belt logos... Finally having the nameplates, strap color designs, all that stuff. A lot of history to go over over the course of 13 years. Now, who do I think about when I see this Intercontinental Championship design? Obviously, it's going to be a cop-out, but it's pretty clear. Chris Jericho. Yeah, a lot of his reigns were short-lived and everything like that, but nine-time Intercontinental Champion, all nine of those reigns happened with that belt. It's easy to picture. If I had to picture it, if I had to choose a second person who I most commonly signal or correspond with that belt, I'd probably have to go with Jeff Hardy. Those two, in my mind, are the two names that really stick out of who I picture when I see this belt. 
But I want you all to let me know in the comment section below two things. One, what did you think about the Intercontinental Championship belt design? As well as the time period where when the championship was active under this design. And two, who comes to mind when you see that oval belt design that we had through that 13-year period? Like I said, for me, first it's Chris Jericho, and the second option would be Jeff Hardy. But I want to know who you all think in the comment section below. If you enjoyed today's episode, folks, please remember, leave a like, subscribe to the bell, turn on if you're listening to this on YouTube, or follow if you're listening to this podcast on any other service that this podcast is available on. And I'll catch you all in the next episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out, and good day, everybody.